Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. Check out Blue Water Climate Control online at their website, BlueWaterClimateControl.com, or you can follow them on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate for all of your HVAC needs. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Hell, I don't know where to start at. What do you guys want to start at on, the, on this podcast? I guess we'll start first um, with with some bow ties on the Jimmy Brumball news. Um, uh, you know, Austin, we talked, about, yeah, we talked about it on Sunday night. Um, you know, this one, this one surprised and, and caught everybody, you know, caught everybody off guard that the move was made now. But it certainly sounds like, I guess, that Jeremy Pruitt had been moving in this direction for a couple of weeks. He was not happy in the preseason with the D-line. And as he said on Monday, there's some apparent philosophy disagreements. I think in coaching style might be the best way to do it. I don't know that it was a schematic disagreement. I think it was style of, of – Oh, it was work. coddling. It was coddling players. You know, right. and, and Coach Pruitt's one that likes to push, 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 you know, maybe is a little hard on them at times, but he wants to try to push them to get the best out of them. And I think that Coach Brumbaugh was just different. And, you know, I think he never got the chance to see that in the spring. I mean, think about it, they had two days in the spring. They're all in T-shirts and shorts, you know, before COVID shut it down. He never get to, he never get to see it. The next several months, he works from home via Zoom. I mean, think about it, he, three of his eight months, he worked from home. So if they'd, if they'd have had spring practice, was Pruitt going to fire him after 15 practices and pay him a million think, and a half to go away? I think that he had he would have had a much better idea of what this was, but then all of a sudden he gets into the and you know getting to fall camp. Uh, this isn't like what I thought. Gets into games, and I think even on Saturdays the difference of opinion on how to handle the defensive line and handle things on the sidelines was something that, you know, was tough to overcome for coach Pruitt. And, you know, as I talked about in our video last night, we were breaking it all down. He's, this is not like the whole notion was we're getting rid of Tracy rocker because his inability to recruit. Well, they got no better at that position with Jimmy Brumball. In fact, I think they might have even gotten worse because at least Rocker would get out of the way and let other guys, you know, do the work for him. Brumball was just constantly in the way and and doing things behind the scenes like, you know, having current players, you know, call, you know, parents of, of, of recruits, you know, cold call them. You know, I mean, that's that that's rough. I mean, like, you know, when, you know, when you have, you know, a, a kid cold call, you know, a mom or a dad out there. So in, in my estimation, you know, the recruiting side of things was no better than a push from where they were at. I mean, we weren't there for, you know, how they, how he coaches and stuff. We've not been there. So I, I really can't speak on that more so than just what I've been told, but you know, the, the recruiting stuff, you know, I can speak more on. And I mean, wouldn't you say, I mean, if they did have a spring practice that Jeremy would have at least had the opportunity to, you know, meet with him in his office and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is how I want you to do things here. Yeah. I agreed. I need to let you know if you can, do, if you think you can do that or not before we, you know, before we get to this point. And also, I mean, I'd say flipping on that game tape and seeing the second half and what the, what they got out of the defense and against Kentucky, I would imagine if Jeremy was on the fence, that probably it was the final nail. 
I'm not, and I'm not talking about execution. I'm talking about effort. And I mean, you hate to question that about kids, but that did not look like a team that was laid at all on the line after halftime. You know, Coach, Coach Brooke came out and said, you know, they had this one of the most spirited practices they've had, um, you know, on Sunday in a long time. It's easy for Coach Brewer to say, <laughs> but and talk to a couple of people on Monday night who are, you know, kind of, you know, innocent bystanders who are able to be at practice. And they both brought it up, had no clue that Coach Pruitt had even said it and talked about like the different energy level at practice last night versus the last couple of weeks. So, I, you know, again, we weren't there, but just based off of just talking to a couple of people, it sounds like, you know, for at least one practice, they had a little bit of juice out there. So what, so what do we think that, how this is going to work with Jeremy Pruitt coaching those guys. He going to run the meeting rooms. He going to run everything with those guys when, I mean, admittedly on Monday, he talked about some individual time he had spent in other positions and with other guys to try to help them get going. So is, I mean, he's hands off on linebackers. He's hands off in a secondary that's obviously had some issues and he's all interior defensive linemen all the time as the head coach. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is I, you know, he's been known to coach the secondary with DA up until this year. And from talking to several people, it sounded like he was helping Niedermeyer with the linebackers some as he kind of brings him along as a member of the defense, defensive staff. Now all of a sudden you're right. He's going to just go and coach the defensive line. And Niedermeyer's got it all on his own at linebackers. You know, DA's got everything in the secondary on his own. DA could handle the secondary. But, I mean, you know, Niedermeyer's still a young coach who, again, while he may have worked as a GA at Alabama, had not run a room at the linebacking room at Alabama. He's run a tight end room here. So, um, it, it is an interesting dynamic. You know, don't you think that they've got enough bodies, though, around there, whether it be a Kendall Moorhead or somebody else that's played on the defensive line, that they can help during practice? Oh, I'm I mean, sure I think they can help, but it's not right. the same. Wouldn't you say, Hover? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, again, I mean, I'm assuming that that, you know, instead of going into, instead of going into a secondary meeting room before practice to talk about something that split coverage safety, you know, split safety coverage work to clean some through a few things out or popping into the inside linebackers room. I mean, he's got to be in the defensive line meeting room the entire time because there's not anybody else to run the meeting. I mean, they can come, somebody can come out there and help them go through some individual reps and individual skill stuff. And I, and I don't think that's a problem for Pruitt to do that during individual stuff. And then obviously they all go together as team. I, I mean, more from a meeting standpoint, film and all this stuff. I don't know how much help they have there from a GA standpoint um, at that specific position. Um, some other positions, they have some guys in quality controls who have experience. I mean, Kevin Simon can certainly watch linebacker tape with any linebacker that he wanted to, but I don't know if they've got anybody who can run a position group room other than Pruitt. So I guess he will do that every day because it doesn't appear like he's going to hire anybody any anytime soon. This is going to be a hire that's going to be made after the season is over, and he kind of could figure out over the next few weeks what's going to be available to him or who's going to be available to him. Well, and that's the thing is like the people that he could hire, I, you know, everybody's going to bring up Tosh Lupoy, Bo Davis, Lance Thompson's another name. LT. All those guys I don't think could come back into this league for it till at least the end of the season. Like every one of them, 
I, I, I'm almost positive that Bo Davis was it can't come into this league until after this current season. Same thing with Tosh. And I don't even know if Lance when, when Lance can come back in. But there's a reason he didn't go with Lane to Ole Miss. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think Tosh is pretty happy in the NFL. Now, he may not have a job in the NFL, you know, because of what's going on with the Falcons. But, I, you know, from his family situation, he's got some young kids. I don't know that he wants to commit to, you know, life back in recruiting. I think you talk to most people who have been in the college game and going to the NFL, they don't really miss the year-round recruiting stuff that you have to do now. They kind of like the off-seasons in the NFL compared to the off-seasons or lack of off-season in the college game. Well, you know, I talked to Zach Azani quite a bit, and Zach is in year four of being in the NFL. Only half the NFL teams have a coaching pension. Zach's been fortunate enough to be with the Bears for one year and then the Broncos for three. And, yeah, if you can get one of those teams that has a coaching pension and you can get five years in, <laughs> you start getting a pension – you know, I mean, like that. Why would you not want that? Because it is an easier life, and there is no recruiting, and it is much more scaled back, and you get paid well. And again, if you can be fortunate enough to coach for one of those franchises that does the coaching pension, and end up with that when you retire, that's a heck of a gig. I mean, the, the recruiting thing though is, I mean, you get you basically get a couple weeks weekends off in in, in July. You know, that's just I just think there's no comparison. Yeah, and during those two weeks off that you have in July or those few weekends, you, you better be calling the recruits or you better be texting them. I mean, you can't take a day off from dealing with recruits if you're going to be an effective recruiter. So we'll see what Jeremy Pruitt does at the end of the year. We'll see how it works with Jeremy Pruitt coaching those defensive linemen, uh, not just this week, but coaching them for the rest of the season and, and how he manages his time and how much production he can get out of that group, which obviously he didn't feel like was producing nearly at the level he thought they should be producing at, which is why he's now coaching them. And Jimmy Brumball is no longer at the University of Tennessee. All right, let's go to the other question that's on everybody's mind, and that's the quarterback question. I didn't think there was any way, leaving Neyland Stadium on Saturday, that I didn't, I didn't think that JG would never play again. I thought that was too strong to, to, to say something like that. But I didn't see any way at that point that they would trot him back out there as the starter against Alabama, but Rob, Jimmy Pruitt didn't guarantee that on, on Monday, but he certainly made it, it made it pretty clear that that would be a direction he would be leaning as of right now. At least that's the way I interpreted his Monday. That's, that's the way I left the press conference too. I mean, with two, two key words, was it, you, you don't want to put him on a shelf. And I mean, well, I forget what the other one was, but I mean, he, he, he seemed to like, you know, t- take some steps to, you know, make sure that, he put it out there. He didn't think it was all Jared, Jared's fault on, on what happened on Saturday, but I 100% agree with you. I didn't think there was any way that he would, that there was a chance he would start against Alabama. Now, if I had, if I had to bet, I would say that seems likely. And I don't think they have a good answer at quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't think that. And I think that's why, and I think that's why JG may start on Saturdays because they don't have any answer at the quarterback position. I mean, you know, based on what he's done the last six quarters, Austin, he's still your best answer. That tells you you don't have an answer in that room at this point in time. Now, you could say Harrison Bailey's not ready, which I don't disagree with that notion. But the other two guys have been on your campus for a year, and they both played in conference football games. And they haven't pushed, and they're not in line as people you think you can play when your starter struggles the way Jerry Garantano has struggled the last six quarters of football. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I just I mean, I, nothing you you guys just said, I can't I can't argue with any of it. I mean, like, you know, it, I, I get where the fans are. The fans are done with him. The fans are ready to move on to Harrison Bailey. I, you know, I think they're a bit naive to think that, you know, if you saw him throw those passes, you know, on Saturday, I mean, he threw a jump ball to Weidman who went and made a play. And then everything else was, to me, you know, no better than what Rob Brenner or myself could have done, just, you know, given the ability to not get hit and mutilated by a linebacker. I don't think fans appreciate how few live reps he's had since the season started because, I mean, he missed all that time in camp. He's third or fourth on the depth chart. And once you get into game week and you're getting ready for for, for that week's opponent, the third string guy is an afterthought. Yeah, I mean, and what I mean by that a minute ago was by the fact that Brent, he just – everything looked like the, it was moving real slow with him. Like, he was having to, like, analyze everything. Because, again, as Rob just pointed out, he's not been out there and the live bullets are flying. And no offense to last Sunday's scrimmage, but, I mean, like, he had an offensive line of Dane Davis and Parker Ball. I mean, it's not like he was back there behind Trey Smith and, and, and the starters – going against the the starters that it's it's you know it's real football but it's not the same like they're moving at a little different pace so i i, I just think it's unfair to him it it, it, it was I, I always thought it was gonna be unfair to him i think yeah. and brent's made this point a lot i think it, it's unfair to him to start him against alabama it is on on saturday now i, I certainly look to play him at some point in time but to run him out there in the first quarter I think that I think that would be unfair. Yeah, I mean, I you know we've seen that we've seen that movie too many times. I mean, you saw it with Jared. I don't think it helped Jared that his first start was against Alabama. You know, he got the ever living crap beat out of him that day. I'm not saying that that's the reason why Jared struggled for with any consistency his entire career because I don't think that's fair to say. But I don't think that game helped him his freshman. You know, his first year and his first action being played there. I don't think it helped Marcus Tatum as a as a freshman, Rob, to get thrown into that game against Alabama. You know when he was clearly not ready and they didn't have any other answers. I mean, you know that that's a hard thing to do. And 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 you know is that the fairest thing to do to put that kid? Some people say, well, you're going to lose anyway. I, I understand that, but you don't want to lose or set back any development of Harrison Bailey. And some would say, well, that means he's not mentally tough. I'm not, I'm not suggesting any of that being the case. I just don't know what the, I don't know what this benefit of throwing him out there as the starter in this game is. I, I don't know how much he can learn or grow from it. If, if he's just completely shell shocked and then all of a sudden he can't do anything and you're taking him out of the game. And now you got all this other stuff going on. If he's not ready, I just don't think you need to play him as a young player. Cause you've got to think about that one much more long-term, you know, as potentially being your guy that you've got to develop and get ready to play, you know, now on the flip side of that, I will say this, the notion that he didn't know anything about the Kentucky game plan. I'm not buying that one either. Was he not in quarterback meetings last week? I mean, you know, and I don't want to pick apart every word that Coach Pruitt said on Monday because it's, it's irrelevant in a lot of cases. But the idea that he didn't know anything about the Kentucky game plan makes no sense to me because he was in quarterback meetings all week long where you know that they talked about getting ready to play Kentucky. So I, I'm not I'm, – I don't think that one makes a whole lot of sense either. So I think we're all in agreement right now as of Tuesday morning. We think it's going to be Jared. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they tried somebody out, but just 
tried to parse Jeremy's comments on Monday. That's that's the way I took it. And wow. for the re- for the record, I would do something else just just to be doing something else. And again, okay. you're not going to win that game with two. Just, just to give the illusion that you're trying. Yes. Just just to show that I was searching for answers. And I mean, and and, and then at the end of the day. If Shrout goes out there and those three picks and has a fumble or Mauer does the same and you say, you know, see, <laughs> I told you. I mean, I think that that was their justification when Shrout threw the pick Saturday. It was like, see, <laughs> JG right back in. I mean, Jarrett is, uh, I think, they're going to be the starter. If Tennessee didn't start him, I think they would start Mauer. I don't think they'll start Shrout. I don't disagree with you. And I think if, if, if if Maurer had you know a hadn't missed all of fall camp and b had put himself in a in a better situation early on you know I, and you had some trust in him i think he fits a lot of what they want to do in terms of what he can do with his own read and different things like that to fit their running backs and to fit some stuff that they could do with the rpo game uh but you know he hasn't been ready so we'll, we'll see what happens there let's let's say it is jared Okay, how do you ma- how do you manage it? I mean, I mean, clearly they did not First want him. You pipe in good crowd noise and cheers <laughs> uh, when he takes the field. Well, he's gonna. I mean, it, he and Pruitt are gonna get booed loudly on Saturday if that's what happens. But let, let's get past that and get to the point where I mean, they they didn't have any trust in him throwing the football to start the second half or really in the second half. So how do you manage how do you manage your offense with him on Saturday? I mean, are you Lane Kiffin versus Florida, two thousand and nine? Just hand it off and eat the, try to eat the clock and go to the house. Try to get out, you know, try to get out losing 28 to, to six if you can, instead of having, you know, Devontae Smith be on, make, have three of the top 10 plays on Sports Center Saturday night. I think you slow it down, but I mean, I think you still got to try to score. Alabama's given up points this year. I know they shut Georgia out in the second half, but if you go back and you, and you watch some of the plays in that game, Georgia had guys running open in the second half. Stetson Bennett just didn't see them. So, like, you know, and Jared may not see them if that's the case Saturday. But the point is, is, you know, the defense is still susceptible to giving up yards and points. So, you know, I think if you're Tennessee, you slow it down. But you got to slow it down with the notion, hey, we're, we're still trying to get in the end zone here. All right, let me ask this question. I, I don't disagree with you. With you, got both of you there. I think you got to slow it down. I don't think playing up tempo helps you. But I mean, you can't come out and be afraid to let your quarterback throw the football. If you're going to start Jared, you got to go out and run your offense, and you got to throw the football, and you got to play the game. You know, if you don't, you need to be starting somebody else in the game. Period. At, at the quarterback position, um, I, I'm oh, I'm kind of done talking about the freshman wide receivers, but. I mean, do we think there's going to be any any movement there, Austin, or is this a hey we need you know wait till Arkansas game, get through an open date, have an open date, full week of practice to f- help them further understand what to do, and then you start playing those guys? I think the best way you can help Jared if you're going to start him is to play some of those young kids. Again, you don't have to play them all, you don't have to play them all together, but to trot out again, we've talked about this for multiple weeks now to trot out Cedric Tillman to trot out Brandon Johnson, to trot out a, a split out, a tight end Jacob Warren and Josh Palmer, they're just going to take number five away and say, okay, can these other three dudes, can they, get, can they get separation? And the answer has been routinely no. Brandon Johnson's playing good, but, I mean, he's making tough catches where he's getting, you know, taking big shots and big hits. 
you know, they need some different athleticism in their wide receiver. And if that's just saying, okay, Jimmy Holiday, you're going to run, you're going to learn the Z. This is what you do. We're going to slow it down, Jimmy. You're going to run a nine-yard dig and, and going that way. Then that's what they need to do. I mean, like, they, to me, they, they've got to find a way to get and more and athleticism out there. And if you get this hand signal, you run a nine-yard out instead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> um, for those people not able to see Rob, you should see the hand signal. Um, it's a joke. Um, but you know, it, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I don't disagree with anything Brent just said. I mean, like they've they've harped on it, and you know, we got to play them, and we got to play them. But then they get to Saturday, and they just don't have trust. Well, you know, when you got a quarterback that throws it late anyway. To me, you might want to get guys that, you know, get a little more separation. That way when he throws it late, then it actually may be on time instead of behind him. I mean, so, you're, I, I mean, if you're not going to slow it down and do three yards in a cloud of dust and snap it with a second on the clock every time, then I, I think your best chance to put points on the board is the Auburn 2018 game plan and hope that, you know, Palmer or Weidman or, you know, can, can go up and beat somebody that jump ball. But I just – my, Tennessee, I don't mean to be negative, Nancy, but Tennessee's not going to win this game with, with Cedric Tillman playing 40 snaps. Why not play Malachi Wideman 40 snaps and, and try to, you know, speed up his development? Well, and that was going to be my – Hubbard, you had one of the best points of the week, I thought, in the 3-2-1 when you talked about the interception. You got Tillman wide. You got Warren split, split out kind of in the slot there. Oh, why is Kentucky – I mean, why are they not jumping the out route? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it strikes the fear. It strikes the fear in no one. I mean, it, I mean, that just the personnel in that formation. You know, they're they're not going to back paddle. They're going to squat on whatever because they're not worried about getting beat anything behind them. Plus, they had safety help over the top. Um, let, let me ask it this way then: about how would you handle the Alabama game? Uh, Rob, you said slow it down, play it like Kiffin, try to play it close, and and sort of get out of there, which is certainly a way you could do that. And and I don't wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Do you also look at it and say, hey, look, we're, we're, we're trying to build for the final five games of the season, okay? We're, we're trying to go four and one, five and oh, you know, three and two, whatever, down the stretch of the season after the open date. And do you use this game to get ready for that by playing these young guys, by, by throwing Omari Thomas in there more, by playing Javante Spragans more than a series, take him out of series, put him back in a quarter later, I mean – do you line up and play him at guard and say, hey, you know, big boy, time, time to grow up. Let's get ready for two weeks from now. And do you play – I'm not saying youth movement, that you shelf all your veterans, but do you play some of those guys knowing, you know what, we might get beat 40 points, but we're trying to get ourselves ready for two weeks from now for a trip to Arkansas and on down the rest of the season. Well, well it's based off the fact that we think Carbon may play some, but he's still not going to be fully healthy, so he's not going to play a ton. I would play Javante Spragans all day and all night at guard and play Kate at tackle. Darnell wouldn't see the field. Uh, right now, he's just not playing well enough. You know, that don't mean you, you scrap him as a lost cause or a bust or any of that stuff. But right now in this current this current situation they're in, they just can't afford to put him back out there. Like, I, that's that's the way I think, I, you know. And Wanya ain't playing much better. So well, and if one day's not, if one day can't go or is playing and playing any good, you might play Kate out there at left and have to play Darnell at right. Great. Maybe, 
you know, or K on Calvert, or K on Calvert, you know. Who, I, mean, I, I don't think Wright slammed the door on Calvert getting a shot. Yeah, but again, back to my question: Do you play it that way? Do you yes. say, do you say, you know what? We may get beat. We'll try to slow it down and keep the score down a little bit. But we're going to roll out the guys we think that are close. Now you're not going to put a guy out there that you don't think is close to being ready. I lie here. I mean, you may play Harrison Bailey some late in the game, but I'm talking about starting him. But do you take some of these other guys? Okay, maybe McDonald's not ready, Austin, but Bryson Eason gets more, you know, play. And, and you play some of these guys um, at all positions in an effort to build for November. Yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, remember, Hubs, they always remember what you do in November. They're going to remember what this team does in November. I can tell you that. Yeah, and it lines up to getting your getting your stuff together and, and getting to five and five, six and four, or not, and then really things spiral out of control at that point. So, yeah, I don't disagree. I think you've got to you've got to change something, and if you're not going to change quarterbacks, you better change something else. And I think that may be a talent infuse of young players who have a lot of upside. And I agree with you one hundred percent, Hubbard. I, mean, I couldn't emphasize it enough. I mean, I. I'll be surprised if Tennessee keeps this game within three touchdowns. I know the line's a little lower than that. And I almost think that's a reflection of Las Vegas thinks that Alabama just won their biggest game of the regular season and, and you know, we'll, we'll have a little letdown this week. But I, I, I give those – again, I don't, I don't treat it like a scrimmage, but I find a way to get, the, get those guys we're talking about some significant snaps. All right, last two things are out the door. I got a recruiting question for Austin here at the end, but before that – what do you do in the middle of the football field? Whew. How many how many slants and, and deep ends do you think uh, Smith and uh, 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 Waddle are going to get this week? I, I know this. I mean, Terry Wilson know. went nine of ten. He went nine for ten in the middle of the football field Saturday. We already so, know they're going to get their hands up. They're going to bat those passes down. There's going to be picks. I mean, it's going to be that's going to happen. Jeremy I mean, said that's eight. What do you what do you say though if that actually does happen? If they coach him up and they start batting balls Saturday, is that not an indictment against Jim Ball? Well, sure, but I mean, you know, they've got to stop giving up leverage on the inside. I mean, that that that's a huge problem that has been a problem all year long. That you know, technique wise, that you know, they're just not doing anything well to prevent the middle of the field. If I, you know, d- defensively, if I'm Tennessee, I I do what Kentucky did, um, Saturday. I drop everybody and make them dink and dunk and make them take it longer to get down the field. Yeah, I, I think the problem with that against Alabama, though, is if you if you do keep your safeties back like that and that their offensive line is good enough, Harris, 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 he's going to average 11, 12, 13 yards of carry. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what the answer is, is to that, but they have to get the middle of the football field fixed for the month of November. Without question, because it's an easy, it's the easiest throw for quarterbacks to make, and if they don't fix that, then it's. I mean, and Felipe Frank's gonna have a field day throwing a slant. They Everybody's seen gonna a, throw it till they stop it. And they haven't seen a big time quarterback yet, and they're getting busted. Yeah, you're right. You know, that's even makes it even more alarming. Luckily, in this league, there really is no such thing as a big time quarterback. Now this kid this week is playing. He's playing his way yeah, out of the NFL draft for sure. Yeah, he's big time. Good, yes. yeah, he's good. Kyle Trask at the end of the year across the middle of the field is pretty good. That's where he likes to throw the football. Uh, so there's a, there's a couple of them out there. But you're right, Rob. They haven't played a great quarterback yet. They've made some average quarterbacks look really good. 
uh, in, in the first part of this football season. All right, wrapping up out the door. Also, I want to ask you about recruiting. Everybody wants to know, you know, the last two weeks you get, you get shellacked in the second half of Georgia. This is an embarrassing loss. What's the impact on recruiting? How big of a deal is this? To, how big of a blow is this to recruiting for the current class, the, the finishing out this class, and the future with guys like Ty Simpson, the guys like, you know, uh, Walter as Nolan, right now, all these guys? As of right now, there's no impact on the current class. Okay. You know, I mean, I think you still have to worry about a guy like Terrence Lewis because he is down in South Florida. Miami's having a decent year. I know they lost to Clemson, but, you know, they're not going to go away in that recruitment. And, uh, but, you know, the good thing for Tennessee is, is who's your main competition for several of your big time targets? Auburn. Auburn looks like a hot mess right now, too. And, you know, they play Ole Miss this weekend. If they lose that game and they're two and three, their last five games are against AM, LSU, Alabama, and then Tennessee and Mississippi State. None of which I think they would be favored in or more than a coin flip in. At the most, I think they would be the, the, the underdog in a lot of those games. So, again, I think that you're, your main competition for Dylan Brooks, for Cody Brown, for, you know, Brock Taylor, any of those type of players that are, you know, you, Auburn's in on, the best thing going in fact is Auburn's not very good either. And so um, so I don't think the impact in this class is, is, is that big of a deal. The impact on the 2022 class with Ty Simpson, Ty obviously wants to see Tennessee, you know, move the ball better offensively. They want He wants to see them – you know, look a lot more different than what they do. And I get it. You look at, you know, Alabama, you look at Clemson. Those are the main two, op- you know, the main two opponents that you're battling there. And really it's Clemson. They're scoring 70 points. And Alabama's got the longest streak in college football history of being able to score at least 35 points in a game. Tennessee just looks different. So I think there is an impact on him. I still think Tennessee is in a good spot, but – Tennessee can't afford to go in the tank here down the stretch. They've got to get the ship righted. They've got to get it turned around. And offensively, they've got to show a spark. That's and awesome. Again, I was just going to say, you don't know what Jared will look like in his sixth year that might turn the, turn the tables for Tennessee with Ty Simpson. Could be, could, be a, could be a completely different picture next year. The number of people that just slammed their hand into their steering <laughs> wheel, turned down the radio, are just – dog cussed you at this point in time rob lewis is probably off the chain at, at, at this point with that comment but on that comment let me tell you about our friends at blue water climate control if you're in need for a new hva system uh hvac system you need to give them a buzz if you have an issue you need to give them a buzz if you need to have a tune-up you need to give them a buzz they can come out and take care of all your needs they're going to do the right prepare the right way the first time and again if you just need to tune up and make sure everything's in good shape for the winter it's a perfect time for you to come out, for them to come out and take a look at your system and tell you exactly what you need and get you set up and ready to go. You can give them a call today at 865-299-2290. You can book an appointment online. For more information about Jeremy and his crew, go to bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. And again, you can book it online by simply picking a day and time that works for you at their website or give them a call or check them out on Twitter at blue h2o underscore climate for austin price and rob lewis i'm brent hubs thanks for joining us have a great rest of your tuesday everybody